This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Two games left for the Calgary Flames in the calendar month of January. They'll turn things over to the NHL All-Star break following Thursday night's contest in Seattle. But before they get there, game tomorrow night at the Scotiabank Saddledome, Flames and the Chicago Blackhawks. Big divisional game against the Kraken Friday night. Four very important points for the Calgary Flames to worry about before the All-Star break. Nazem Kadri will be the lone Calgary Flame representative in Florida for this year's All-Star festivities. Rest of the team will rest, recover, and get ready for the last 30-plus games of the season. This is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor, outstanding production team in the other room. The news of the uh, the day for the Calgary Flames following a practice earlier this morning at the Scotiabank Saddledome. No Chris Tanev. The injury update, which you'll hear from head coach Daryl Sutter here in just moments, is that he will not play in the next two games for the Calgary Flames, and they are hopeful he'll be ready to return post-All-Star break when the Flames are in New York. So, could be worse. I, th- I think given the the importance of Chris Tanev, obviously you'd love to have had him be healthy enough to come back in the game against Columbus or potentially be healthy enough, but uh, if he's dealing with something minor, give him these two days off, the two game days off, let him get back to hopefully as close to 100% as the All-Star break will allow him and hope that it's just the two games that he misses. Uh, let's hear from the head coach, Daryl Sutter. Uh, a longer-than-usual media availability at the uh, Scotiabank Saddledome from Daryl today. Lots to dive into with the head coach, and uh, he starts with the latest on Chris Tanev and just the importance that number eight brings to the defensive core. Here is Daryl Sutter speaking at the Scotiabank Saddledome a little earlier today. Um, we didn't see Chris Tanov out yeah, there for Tanov passing. will miss, Tanny will miss uh, these two games. And if everything goes well, we'll get him back after the break. So if there's any blessing in having a long break, that'll, that's it, right? So we'll be thankful, you know, because it's with that surgery you had last summer, major surgery, it wasn't, wasn't that. We've seen a couple small chunks this season. Without Chris Tanev, how does your group change when he's not available? Change dramatic, dramatically when you look at it. You know what? There's two things. Tanny is everybody gets noticed for their offensive flair and points and all that as defensive. But two things he's so good at is his is his structure in terms of the X and O's part of your game. He's like he's so detailed in it, and that's part of his preparation. And then and then the other one's just his one and one play, which is not a structure or anything like that. It's just a defending one-on-one thing and that's where everybody has to you know nobody replaces 
Chris Tanif, but I think your defense, you know, with guys like Connor coming in and and uh, um, Stoney playing a few more minutes in there, but then Z goes up a notch, right? Those and McKenzie goes back to the right side. Like it really affects. All right, the only pair that doesn't get affected there's Noah and Ross, but so they have to continue to be really good players. But then the next four have to take that little bump in their game in terms of some of what Chris does. Do you miss him on the bench too? Like he's always struck me as sort of the calming presence for that blue line. Yeah, it's group. not just the blue line, your locker room. You know, that's every every coach has a handful of players like that that are, you know, you know, you don't have to say nothing or or you don't have to react. So those guys take care of it. So what's your message to Connor then? He's been out of the line for a little bit. What's your? He's been chomping at the bit. Bit. You know, I met with him and I think it was in Chicago, but. You know, he's where he is, and it happens. You know, that's what how it happens. Lots of defensemen, right? But you know, we've been getting him to work on both sides to see if that would get him uh, another opportunity. Which, you know, he hasn't played both sides, so just things like that. But you got to stay ready. I mean, uh, you need just for example. I bet if you did it uh, last year, you look at a team like Colorado uh, wins the Stanley Cup, and and you know they go out and get um, Josh Manson at the deadline. And then they go through all their injuries all year, and, and but by the time they're done, they probably play ten defensemen. But you, your big four got to be big four, right? So, but then those support guys, if you look at it, are huge parts of it because you know you play every other day, and you can't be saying that guy's twenty-five minutes. You need somebody to play more than ten minutes or twelve minutes. He's got to be a contributor. What, what's the biggest thing he's got to? Uh improve upon to be an everyday guy. Connor? Yeah. You know what? It's still like, hey, Connor went four year school and then two years and and then so it's still a a lot of ways he's still it's a little bit of apprenticeship, right? Still. So but this is part of it. And I know I it's another good good way of looking at it for me always is is uh and it's funny it's coming up this weekend, but uh you know when I was in LA we had the kid we had like Jake Muzzin and Nick Dory and Alex Martinez, those boys were either, like Alex was the same as, as what Connor was, he was seventh guy, wasn't playing, just learn the trade, watch players, learn it, and then those boys were playing in Manchester, learn the trade, get better, do your time, take some guys a little bit of time, and then one of them takes a leap, and away they go, and by the time the team wins a championship, those guys are important pieces, so it's part of it, you know. How have you liked when Nikita and Mackenzie have played together at times this season? You know, the key with Nikita and Mackenzie is they're really good competitors. They just have to remember the structure of the game, and they, you know that's part of it too. With those with those two guys, even though they're they are in their twenties, um, you know, time score situations, all those things are really important to them. Right, and it's, a lot of times they're such good competitors they get away from that, from their their detail of their game. So, you know, the, there's a reason defensemen are called defensemen. Right, that's a position. Did you like the way the team responded to Chris leaving last game, or was there some disarray for a little while? Well, the problem always when you lose a defenseman is you need one guy that can play both sides. So that's so McKenzie's the guy that can go both ways, right? So you're playing five, but then you're also getting caught. Um, so like I told him, you know, you got 
we're playing five, you guys, there's times you're going to get caught in your wrong side, just stay there. But that's not ideal for us either because it's a different, it's, you're seeing the game different, it's a different angle. It's, and so you get, you get in situations you don't want to be in. Chris Tanev, arguably your, your, your uh, most important player. He's part of that leadership group that, it's really, I mean, they're really important players for our team. I mean, we're still, you know, we're, it's like I said before, you're still really, you get Mange, young guy in the line, you get Dylan, young guy in the line. You know, the way, it's just the way, our, the way our team is, like those old, older guys are so important. It's like, you know, it's, and then with keeping Louis with the, with the two kids that are coming up, like those guys are critical of those kids as, as we go forward. It's the same in the back end. It's critical for the team to keep those guys. You know, we've talked about that, right? About how the young players—it's not the guys coming in; it's the young players in the organization have to improve this year for the team to for the team to get better. And you look at even the kids, those kids that have come up and played like that's really important by position. You look at like. I I stick to that, and it's it won't change. Those kids got to be got to become good players in the organization and good players on the team because if you do it by position you, know, you, you look at guys that are that are first and second year pros in the organization you look at Dustin Wolf you look at the two Russian boys and you look at Poye on defense you look at at Pelch you look at, at Walker you look at Connor Zeri you look at Cole Schwent those guys are all first second year guys they're important players and they're they are like good prospects so when they come up they got a it's part of the you know it's like the next grade for them sort of so that's the only way organizations get better is through that development we're lucky to have that team here because then you get to see them Darryl, you've got a nine day break between games coming up uh shorter than the three-week break you're supposed to have last season but longer than the usual all-star yep. break is it too long too short or just right well, same as olympic years it's not an all-star break like been through Olympic years with it and you want to go in you know you'd prefer to go in healthy and everybody on top of their game so we won't be healthy but we want to be on top of our game and then you want to be in the fight right so we've stayed in the fight we want to be in the fight you want to come out of that break saying hey we're in the race here right so that has to be your next focus and and I I went through it so I so I have a good feeling on good feeling on how to handle it so but still it's you know it's what our teams are eight nine ten days you know, and, there's, and they're not practicing. So that's sort of that next part when we talk about on ice and the dressing room and the leadership and all that. That's sort of the message that they have to, to you know, it's okay if I say it, but they have to carry that. So uh, it's, it's unique and it's different, but, but it was there. We know that. Harold, when, uh, when you've watched Jan Kuznetsov this year in the American League, have you seen some nice progression, or how would you I think those that? young, those three young defensemen, uh, you know, those boys played together in the Memorial Cup team last year, Poirier and Kuznetsov. So, so they've got a, you know what, they've got that in the bank, right? So even though they're totally different type players, and the, and you see it, like even last night, uh, Kuzi didn't play, and Poirier does, but you've seen where at that 30, 40 game mark where there's a, just a little drift or drop in their game, and you can see it. Right? So, you know, they just, that's part of becoming a good pro is learning that. Like, you know, like it's, hey, they're, they're good players. It's just they're different type players and they just need to grow. Can I just ask you, because we're not going to see you probably after tomorrow, 
Nazem Kadri, can you speak to the the, the maturation pro process? Because I think it was pretty well documented when he was a young kid. Yeah. He, he wasn't maybe as mature as he needed to be. Yeah, I've talked to him, quite honest. I've talked to his coaches from junior. You know, he, he Peter DeBoer coached him in, in Kitchener and Kitchener traded him to London. Right, so he's, he played his two years and then he was traded. And so, you know, that familiarity with coaches have coached him. And then the next part when he goes to Toronto, and he's so he's in Toronto, but he's playing with the Marlies and then playing with the Marlies and then going beliefs. Like, so it's, you know, it's there's he's one of those guys that every coach that's had him loved coaching them, right? And then they just kind of moved him forward, moved him forward, and and he's a best way to describe him is he's a good competitor like, you know he knows the game and he wants to get it done and there's times where he's you know hey he's he's one guy that's ready to go Beyond, um, you had mentioned earlier about how important it is for some of those young players in your organization to become good players beyond obviously them getting opportunities produced when they're in the lineup yeah. what are some things you're looking from them uh i guess beyond that in order for them to i guess in your eyes for them to be good players yeah I think because they all have different skill sets, but so you need that skill set to play here at this level, which is your pace and your and knowledge of the game and your puck management. I would say, but then the next part is actually playing every shift against against that type of player, right? Like it's that that player you're playing against is doing those three things, so you have to be as good as them, and uh, that's why it's you know even talking when we. Talking about a boy like Jacob, you know, when you bring he he um, he deserved to be called up, right? And then and then the next part is you got to watch and learn. And then the next part is to if you get in, get in, right? And then go f and then go from there. That's part of this this part of it, right? He's twenty one, so you just keep reinforcing two or three things with him, and then then away he goes. So they're all. And especially when I say positions, two positions are so important with our organization when you look at it, right? So if you just break it down this year by position, you'd say, okay, what's the defense doing? Where do they, where do we need to get better in that? And you look at left wing, you say, okay, what's that side doing for us? And you do it center, and you do it there, to, you know. So it's there's important players, and the other part, really important, competition, right? You look at, you call them two kids up, that's competition. You know what? They show they can be positive contributors. That's you know what? That's competition. You get that sense that uh, both Pelts and, and Dewar have been retaining a lot of the yeah. information last little. Yeah. No, those no issues for for sure. Like the I know Pelts is here as a 21 year old, and and it's a tough thing. But that kid's got lots of things to add in terms of. He's got he's got the pace. He's got the IQ. He's got good puck play, like things like that. So he's gonna he'll take he'll go to another level. That kid. I just want to. Did you get a better read on him from the last game? He played a little more minutes yeah. and he had scoring chance. Yeah. No, not just scoring chances. Just you know, like in the first game, you asked those questions about him. Well, that's totally unfair for the kid, right? He plays like I say, he plays 400 seconds. The first three shifts, man, that's. I don't remember my first three shifts, but I bet they were friggin' not sure what I was doing, right? You're just high energy and away you go, right? I'll bet. Like, but then after that, you settle in, play your game, and a lot of kids like that, I guarantee you, sometimes it's easier for players like that that have that, that, 
about the game. Sometimes it's easier to play at this level than the American League level because there's just a little more structure in it all and you're a smart guy and you figure it out, right? So when you say about those plays the other night that he makes, well, he that tells you where he's at then, right? It's the next part of it. So, And that's a position that we have to get better at, the left side, when you look at it. There you go, Flames head coach Daryl Sutter addressing the media following his team's practice today, getting set for games against Chicago and Seattle to finish out their January schedule and heading into the NHL's All-Star break. Of course, the news today, Chris Tanev will miss the next two games for the Calgary Flames dealing with an upper body injury. Of course, uh, affects his deep pairing with Mackenzie Weger. Uh, Mackenzie also doing a, a media availability this morning. Uh, talked about uh, what it's like to be without Chris Tanev, the partnership that they've been forming on the back end for Calgary this year, but also a bit about how moving back to his natural side on a pairing with Nikita Zadorov could help raise his game. Here's uh, Mackenzie Weger from the Saddle Dome earlier today. You played a lot with Chris Tanev uh, this season with him not being in the next two games. What changes for you? Yeah, I guess just positioning. Um, you know, I go back to the right side with Z, and um, you know, obviously got a chance to play with Z a little bit. So, um, you know, we're pretty familiar. But obviously, you know, seeing Tanny go down is, uh, you know, a tough loss. So everyone's got to pick up, uh, you know, a little bit more leadership and, uh, you know, defending and checking a little bit harder without without him. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. These are huge games too. They're critical. So um, can't afford to take any nights off here. Uh, you know, be prepared to play a lot of minutes. We, we see it, but we don't know it the way you know it. And so when you take a guy like Christian and his value out of this, he's a quiet guy, but I know he's also a glue guy. Can you just speak to something about Christian and maybe that we don't know in terms of his overall value? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of stuff in you know in the locker room, you know, what he has to say. Um, you know, your ears perk up and everybody's listening to what he has to say. And, uh, you know, he's a big role for us. He's a huge leader in the, in the dressing room. And, um, you know, he's a warrior out there, and I think he leads by example. So, um, you know, not having him... You know, it's, it, it hurts us. Um, so we're going to have to, uh, you know, pick our game up and, like I said before, defend a little bit harder. Mackenzie, you guys are only six points out of first place with the game ahead. Yeah. That feels a little bit lost with the way the season is going. Yeah. What, what's your approach as you move forward here? Are you trying to win the division again? Yeah, absolutely. I think we want that top spot. I think it's there. Um, you know, it's it's a close division. It's a tight race. And, um, you know, these, these games before the All-Star break are huge, you know. Um, another divisional game against Seattle. Um, it's going to be huge. So we're right there. We just got to keep this momentum thing going. There you go, Mackenzie Weger. Obviously, things going to change for him with Chris Tanev out the next two games. Uh, expected to be on a pairing with Nikita Zadorov, and that's the last voice we'll hear from. Uh, this segment, Nikita Zadorov speaking to the media at the Dome earlier today. With a guy like Chris Tanev out for the next two games, how does your role change? More and more ice time, I guess. Yeah. More responsibility. You know, uh, spoke to Daryl this morning as the decoy. You know, he, uh, he told us definitely when we're losing Taney, we're going to bring something extra. You know, when you're losing guys like Taney, it's defending and uh, good positioning in the G zone. So I think he, every guy on the back end now has to be 5% better in that particular things to us to be successful. You guys haven't won four games in a row all year. How meaningful would it be to win these last two and kind of finish off the first half of the season with a good stretch like that? We haven't won four in a row? I don't think so. Okay, well, it's time. <laughs> yeah, it's big. It's for, for sure it's big for us because uh, I think this year All-Star, 
a little bit different. Not everybody going off, right? Like there's some teams still going to be playing. So at the end of the break, we could be, we don't know at which position we're going to be in the standings. So for sure, it's real important points for us right now. How much does uh, playing with Uyghur change your, your gameplay? Uh, well, it's different for sure. Him and Stoney are totally different players. You know, uh, the benefit different. You know, I, think, I feel like with Rizzi, um he moves the puck really well. So, like, I'm really trusting to give it to him and then trusting he's going to be behind me as well. It's just a good dynamic, like I said, at the start of the year. It was uh, probably like the best partner I ever played with, so I'm really excited to get back with him again and then uh, get a chance to play. Does it seem like you kind of compliment one another? It seems like you can both jump in, you can both get back, you have that familiarity. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're just... Yeah, he's a great guy, he's my friend. You know, we, we hang out a lot of uh, outside of the rink as well, so I think it's just it's it's cool to play with the guy you like, you know. There you go, Big Z, Nikita Zadorov speaking to the media. Flames back in action tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock puck drop against the Chicago Blackhawks. That'll end off a four-game homestand and send them into a back-to-back against the Seattle Kraken to end off the January schedule and uh, put the Flames officially onto their NHL All-Star break. We'll take a break ourselves, come back on the other side, close out Hour 2, looking at the Canadian Football League and the quarterback carousel that's set to begin now that Bo Levi Mitchell has officially signed on for three years with the Hamilton Tiger Catch. John Hodge of Three Down Nations has to join us next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Hamilton Tiger Cats made it official yesterday, introducing new franchise quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell to the media. It's a three-year deal for the former Calgary Stampeder and future Hall of Famer. But the question now becomes... Since Bo is locked down in Hamilton, what happens to the rest of the free agent quarterbacks around the CFL? And where might teams that were hoping Bo would go to free agency, where will they turn now to help us answer some of those questions? We uh, go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in our pal from Three Down Nation, John Hodge, who's kind enough to give us some time this afternoon. John, thanks for doing this, man. As always, how are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm good. Uh, initial reactions yesterday. Was it a, a surprise level for you that the Ticats were able to get this done with uh, Bo Levi Mitchell? No, I, I'm not. I think, you know, the Ticats were very aggressive in trading for Bo Levi Mitchell's rights. Uh, that deal was done. I mean, heck, it, it was before Grey Cup. Like, like Bo Levi Mitchell has been their property for, for two months now. And I think the Ticats would have been in a, in a dangerous situation had they let Mitchell go, right? He, he was free to pursue the free agent market. He could have pursued interest elsewhere. But look at it from the Ticats' perspective. By trading for Bo Levi Mitchell, they've, they've, they've sent a very clear message to Dane Evans, their starter from last year, that they don't think he's good enough, right? That, that's the first thing. So you've soured your relationship with your previous franchise quarterback, who, by the way, is still under contract for 2023, technically. Um, and the second thing you've done is you sent a very clear message to your fans saying, hey, look, we consider this an upgrade and we're going to try to get something done, right? We've given up assets to trade for Mitchell's exclusive rights. And if you do that and then don't get him under contract and you let him walk elsewhere, 
you've you've sent a very clear message to your fans, right? That hey, look, we 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 were too cheap to get this done, or oh, Bo didn't feel like we were the best fit, or we didn't, you know, we didn't do enough of a sales job to get him to to sign. So from the moment the Ticats traded for his rights, I did expect this to get done, and and I, I'm not surprised to hear that that the deal is is three years. I mean, the Ticats. Uh, clearly, we're again we're not satisfied with the quarterbacking they received a year ago, and Bo Levi Mitchell, in their eyes, is uh, the man to get it done. Uh, from different reports, sounds as though uh, right around the five hundred thousand dollar mark, and John, the advantage for Hamilton in all of this is thanks to the CBA. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on this: no guaranteed money in that deal until year three. Is that right? Actually, there is no guaranteed money in the deal. Okay. Period. And the reason for that, and this is, this this all has to do with the recency with which the CBA was ratified. The CBA is still not publicly available. My understanding is that it's still being looked at by lawyers, which is wild, considering that the, the league has actually played a full season under the new CBA. But a change that was made under the old CBA, or since the old CBA, I should say, is that players re-signing with their current teams were given the opportunity to have their salaries partially guaranteed if they were in uh, uh, signing multi-year multi-year deals. So, for instance, if you know with Bolivar Mitchell signing a three-year contract, which with a team which is technically his old team, of course, given that Hamilton traded for his rights, the thought initially was, oh, Bo is going to be able to sign a contract with guaranteed money in year two or three, depending on the length of the deal. That is not the case. I was I was sent by a source the wording from the CBA indicating that the player on top of that signing back with his old team, they have to have been on that team for two years prior. So that is the reason why Bolivar Mitchell does not have guaranteed money in the third year of his contract with the Hamilton Tiger Cats because he's not been a member of the Tiger Cats for the past two years. But it's a confusing issue, and again, it's an issue that is is I think heavily underreported at this point because again we do not yet have access to the full CBA despite the fact that it was ratified before the 2022 season. And this is a very early question, so I'll I'll try to to just generalize it as much as I can for you, John. But as of right now, with Bo Levi Mitchell and what we saw from him at times last year, where do you see Hamilton? in the Eastern division as far as, as standings go. And I know so much of it's going to change over the next couple of weeks with quarterbacks and other teams landing guys, but does this put Tam? I guess I'll say this. Does it put Hamilton near the top of the East? Is that sort of where expectations are for this team now? I'll say this. I think Bolivar Mitchell is going to provide some much needed leadership, some, some confidence, some juice, if you will, to that organization. Dane Evans was anointed the undisputed starter this past season after previously sharing the job with Jeremiah Masoli, and he didn't live up to the hype, right? The, the, the spotlight seemed to be a little bit too bright for him. That's not to say Dane Evans is not a good quarterback, and I'll get into that in a second, but I think Bo Levi Mitchell, and he, he talked about it at his, at his conference yesterday, you know, that he has that swagger, that confidence. I, I believe he used the term bordering on cockiness when describing himself. And, and I think that mentality can do Hamilton some favors. I mean, Bo has been there. He's done that. He's, he's seen it all, right? He's a two-time MOP, two-time great cup champion. And as you said, he's going to the hall of fame, regardless of what happens from this point of his career onward. With that said, over the last two years, Bo Levi Mitchell 
you know, basically played half a season in 2021, half a season in 2022. Over those two years, he threw for 19 touchdowns and 19 interceptions. Dane Evans, the man he's replaced, and by the way, got a raise over. He's making more money in Hamilton in 2023 than he made in Calgary a year ago, and he's making more money than Dane Evans made a year ago. Dane Evans last season threw 16 touchdown passes and 16 interceptions and a little under a season of work. So when you look at the numbers, I mean, again, Bolivar by Mitchell, two-time MOP, two-time Great Cup champ, he hasn't posted elite numbers now in, in three years. And so while I think the Hamilton Ticats are, are ultimately better for this move, I think there's a ton of other questions on the roster. I mean, you got a ton of defensive starters who are not under contract, Cameron Kelly, Simone Lawrence, most notably, um, I need to see what the receiving core is like. Um, there's an opportunity potentially to, to, to add to that group in free agency because I think the receiver group right now is among the deepest position groups uh, heading into free agency in, in about three weeks from now. But I, I have a little bit of skepticism going into this. I need to see that, that Bo can be the Bo of old, not just Bo being old, if you will. You mentioned him there, uh, the future of Dane Evans now very much in question when it comes to Hamilton. Uh, It doesn't seem feasible for him to remain on the roster at his current salary, but I also believe you guys have reported Three Down Nation. He doesn't have any uh, bonuses or anything due over the next little while, so it's kind of an interesting situation for Hamilton here, John. They can hold on to, to Dane Evans for a little bit and maybe see how the quarterback situation shakes out across the league before they're really forced into doing anything. Yeah, there's no timeline here that's, that's pressing on the Ticats. That could change if, if, if Dane or his representation demands a release or demands a trade. Um, it, it, it's possible that, that you know, the Ticats will just say, yeah, you know, we want a clean break now that we've got Mitchell under contract. But, you know, oftentimes big-name players like Dane Evans – are due off-season roster bonuses. Common dates for those bonuses are you know, January 1st, January 15th, February 1st, and essentially those bonuses, because they're guaranteed once you reach that specific date, they're paid out. Um, the, the reason those are coveted in deals is because it's reassurance that you're going to be on the roster. And if, if a team chooses to cut you before you collect that bonus, it allows you to hit the open market before free agency. Like we saw that recently Luchez Purifoy, defensive back of the BC Lions, all-star caliber player, was due an off-season bonus. The Lions weren't willing to pay it, so they cut him. And guess what? Before anybody else got to the free agent market, he got there and he made a lot of money signing his new deal with the Edmonton Elks. So the off-season roster bonuses are there for a reason. Dane Evans doesn't have one. Now, is he going to be back in Hamilton? I think the, the chances of him being back on his current deal worth approximately $450,000 is 0%. The only way he would stay in Hamilton is if he swallows his pride and and renegotiates that deal to a much smaller number than he's set to make now. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the, the most likely destination for him is as the starter in Saskatchewan, though there are some other dominoes to fall. If, if Trevor Harris decides that he wants to, to uh, take on a new challenge, Let's say he signs with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who appear to be moving on from Cody Fajardo. Then all of a sudden there, there might be a starting opportunity for Evans in Montreal. And, and it's also possible. We've seen how comfortable he was sharing that starting job with Soli last year with Matthew Schultz. Maybe he decides that he wants to take, you know, a, a bit of a backseat and, and spend a year as kind of a tandem guy. And there's some, some places, frankly, in the CFL that could use an upgrade 
in that type of role. Maybe he signs an incentive-laden deal to join Jeremiah Masoli in, in Montreal. Maybe he wants to be the kind of the 1B quarterback behind Vernon Adams Jr. in BC. Like there, there could be opportunities for him elsewhere. And so uh, I think the only thing that's for sure right now is his current contract is not tenable for the Ticats, and he's going to have to change either his deal or his team depending on his preference. He hasn't spoken publicly about it yet, mm-hmm. but uh, I would imagine we'll find out soon. At least that's what Orlando Steinhauer said at the conference yesterday. Are the Saskatchewan Rough Riders the team that feel the, the biggest ripple effect of Bo Levi Mitchell signing in Hamilton, John? I think that's that's probably fair to say outside of Hamilton itself, of course. The the Riders, I mean, I think they, they've known for a while that, that Mitchell was unlikely to sign there. I think had they made uh, a change in their front office with their coaching staff, I mean, they, they tried to hire – um, you know, uh, um, Mark Mueller, the quarterback's coach out of Calgary, who obviously knows Bolivar Mitchell very well from their time together there. Grandson of the great Ron Lancaster, uh, former high-profile high youth sports player in that province to be their OC. He turned them down. Um, so f- from that point on, I mean, and, and let's remember, Saskatchewan's basically whole coaching staff is, is under one-year contracts. And so for Bo who prioritized going somewhere long-term. He talked about that, and he, he proved it yesterday when he signed a three-year extension. You know, it, it's kind of hard to sign a, a, a long-term extension when your whole coaching staff could could be out after a year, and then you have absolutely no idea or reassurance as to who's going to be in charge of your team and, and, and you know, potentially holding you hostage for two years, and, and uh, you know, playing under a system you don't like or, or playing under a staff you don't like. So... I think it's it's been pretty clear for a while for the riders, reading between the tea leaves, for them to know that they were unlikely to get bullied by Mitchell, even if they were willing to pay a little bit more money than Hamilton was. But yeah, they're they're at a bit of a crossroads. I mean, you look at the quarterback situation. To me, the the only real two realistic options outside of Cody Fajardo are Evans or Trevor Harris. I I will personally, if I had to to project, I would I would guess that Trevor Harris will be re-signing in Montreal which basically leaves Evans and Fajardo. And at this point, I, I don't see a huge difference between Evans and Fajardo. They both had breakout years in 2019, and they've both regressed since. They're, they're about the same age. They're, their playing styles are a little different. I think Evans has a bit of a bigger arm. I think Fajardo's a little bit more mobile, but the Riders have a bit of an aging roster. They have a ton of free agents coming up. They haven't re-signed a lot of them, which to me means they've got a ton of money to play with when free agency opens. So, Regardless of what they do under center, they have to do something in free agency to protect that quarterback better. Their offensive line was not nearly good enough in 2022, and I think they need to upgrade you know, almost every other position, quite honestly, on that roster because they showed last year they're getting a little, little long in the tooth, and, and overall they, they need an injection of talent. Outside of the quarterback situation, what, uh, what intrigues you or what's catching your eye over the next couple of weeks as we uh, approach free agency here, John? I'm keeping my eye on two top receivers who, in my mind, are the two best receivers in the CFL. And that's Geno Lewis in Montreal, and that's Kenny Lawler in Edmonton. Geno Lewis represents himself. He does not have an agent. He told us during Great Cup Week that, that he is finishing his master's degree uh, through Oklahoma, where he, he went to, uh, where he went to college. I believe he's 30 years old or, or turning 30 years old this offseason. 
And I think he's ready, especially after seeing the the huge salaries that were thrown out last offseason, $300,000 to Kenny Lawler, $250,000 to Duke Williams. I think he's he's ready at this point of his career to cash in on the great work that he's done over the last four seasons in Montreal. Um, again, he represents himself, which always makes things a little bit tougher to get a deal done. At least I would argue, um, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of players are, are better off with an intermediary as an, you know, with an agent who's working with the team rather than work, working with directly with the team. He's had two lengthy meetings with Danny Machocha, the GM in Montreal over the past couple of weeks. And I think it's possible they'll get a deal done, but I also think that there's a good chance Lewis could go to the highest bidder looking to cash in while he can. And Kenny Lawler is an example of a player who did that last year. Again, he went to a team that let's just be honest at Edmonton was a bottom feeder and uh, he got paid very handsomely, but they only won four games. And after he won back to back great cups with Winnipeg, maybe he's ready to say, okay, I, I want to win again. I'm okay. Leaving a little bit of money on the table. I don't want to, I don't want to have another season where we don't even win a game at home. So those are the two guys I'm most intrigued about because they're they're though they're I, again I think the best two receivers in the league I think they're in in different situations. One is looking to capitalize on on the success they've had previously, and the other, having just done that, might have a bit of a different priority set this time around in free agency. What's the follow-up in the last couple of weeks uh, in your mind, John, since Nathan Rourke made his decision to go to the NFL and sign a contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Because there was so much conversation around it, and I think that it was obviously, you know, from Nathan's perspective, a very deserving opportunity. But I'm curious when these deals happen and they're as public and sort of as, you know, look, it caught a lot of attention. It caught a lot of people's attention south of the border that, uh, a young Canadian quarterback after his first full season in the CFL, which wasn't even a full season thanks to an injury, would catch the eye and have a, an opportunity to back up job. What have you, what's kind of caught your eye since that's happened? And, and what do you think the fallout's been since that? Well, let's talk about Rourke, you know, as, as a Canadian quarterback. I believe he's the, the most recent Canadian quarterback since Jesse Palmer to be under contract in the NFL. And with all due respect to to Mr. Palmer, I don't think he had, you know, a, a massively successful NFL career. And so, as as a Canadian and a Canadian sports fan, I think you look at that and and it's exciting. As a CFL quarterback, he's the first guy to go since Chris Streveler, who, as much as Chris Streveler is is extremely entertaining to watch, um, he he's not a true. Uh, passer in at least the traditional sense of the word, right? He's, he's in the NFL because of what he can do with his legs. Um, he's, you know, Rourke is probably the first guy to go down South since I, I guess, you know, maybe Ricky Ray would have been the last one. It's, it's been a long time since we saw a guy light it up on a CFL field and, and get the opportunity to go to the NFL. Some guys have, have had, you know, issues getting success down there. Ricky Ray, Henry Burris weren't able to make the transition full-time. Some guys have, most notably Jeff Garcia, right, was was brilliant, made a number of Pro Bowls as a member of the San Francisco 49ers, had a very nice career down south. As for the fallout, I mean, I, I think the BC Lions are saying all the right things about Burden Adams Jr. He is signed to a very incentive-laden deal. His base salary is relatively small, but if he starts every game, he's going to make up in that, you know, $450,000 area approximately, which is what you'd expect for 
for a CFL starter to make. Do I think the BC Lions are as dangerous with Vernon Adams Jr. under center versus Rourke? No, not not at all. That said, Vernon Adams Jr. has played very well in this league in the past, and with Jordan Maximic, their offensive coordinator, the great weapons they have there, guys like you know Lucky Whitehead, Keon Hatcher, Dominic Grimes, I could see Vernon Adams Jr. playing a lot better in 2023 than he did in 2022. So obviously there's there's big implications for for what this means as a league, right? Do, you know, with, with with if Nathan Rourke goes down and becomes an NFL starter, do we see an influx of quarterback talent come to this league? We suddenly, you know, young quarterbacks see this as a as a true route to the NFL, whereas maybe they didn't before, given how long it had been since somebody from the CFL went down and and had success, possibly, but. You know, I, I think as a league, ultimately, my opinion would be it's a positive thing. I think it's a good advertisement for the league. But I do also know a lot of CFL fans who are awfully sad, knowing that they probably won't get to see Nathan Rourke under center this upcoming season. Uh, just a couple more for you, John, before we let you go here. And uh, one thing that's been brought to my attention, too, that I, I should have asked you back when we were having the conversation about Bo Levi Mitchell, but uh, I'm glad I, someone brought it up to me again here, was you know going back to that the CFL scheduling and the fact that you know, we are going to have now the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Calgary Stampeders meet only in Hamilton this season. Uh, you know, I know we've talked about that before. It, it just kind of re-resonates as to how disappointing it's going to be that we won't have a, a bow return to McMahon at any point this year. Well, it stinks. <laughs> there's no other word. For yeah. It. it stinks. Well, there, there's a couple other words for it, but but I can't say any of them on the radio. <laughs> no. I'll put it that way. I appreciate that, it's, yeah. It's, it, it, it's awful. I got a text message from somebody yesterday in the league who, who said, man, this, this league never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. And I thought, well said, because, you know, you look at the NFL, who did Russell Wilson play in week one of last season? Guess what? He went right back exactly. to Seattle. I mean, yeah. the NFL – routinely capitalizes on these moments and and you know nobody granted last year could have known where Andrew Harris was going to sign but like Andrew Harris has yet to come come play a game in Winnipeg since he left the ball yeah. like they they played in Toronto they met in the Grey Cup you know some 600 kilometers west of Winnipeg but you know those two teams or, or Andrew Harris has, has yet to return to IG field as as a player and and that's a shame. And, 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 you know, in a place like Calgary where attendance has been declining now for a number of years, that would have been a great way to sell thousands of extra tickets, possibly sell out that game, right? Calgary is basically in a situation these days where they sell out Labor Day and they have plenty of empty seats every other week. Well, this could have been an opportunity to have two sellouts in the same year. And uh, unfortunately we're not going to get that. So for, for many years, the CFL scheduled the games so that every team played in every city at least once. And that eliminated any risk of a marquee player missing out on a potential, you know, quote-unquote reunion game. Uh, they've since gone away from that balanced schedule, and I think that's a problem for the exact reasons that you're illustrating. Bo Levi Mitchell needed to return to Calgary this year. Heck, have him play in Calgary twice. Nobody would have argued against that. Uh, last but not least, as we uh, approach a couple weeks out from free agency, is there one team in particular that you're going to watch for to be busy over the next couple weeks, John? Well, I, I think the the Bowley by Mitchell signing, now that that money is spoken for and Hamilton knows exactly what that budget is, 
I think we will see a number of signings take place in that organization, and that will also have a further ripple effect. We also know that the CFL's negotiating window, also known as the legal tampering window, opens a week before free agency on February 14th. I think once that hits, you're going to see a lot of guys re-signing simply because I don't think there's going to be that much money available on the free agent market. Yes, the salary cap is going up in 2023. However, the CFL's minimum salary is increasing from $65,000 to $70,000. So what that means is, yes, you're adding money to the cap, but that means that every single player on your roster who's on a rookie deal or a low-level you know, veteran deal who's at or near that minimum salary is getting a raise. And so I think there's a lot of players who are hoping to earn more than they were a year ago who might not have that opportunity because it's hard to get from, let's say, $100,000 to $125,000 if your team has to give you know, 15 of your teammates a $5,000 raise to get them from sixty-five dollars to $70,000. So I think that that, that week-long period from the 7th to the 14th is, is certainly going to get hot league-wide. But in the short term, I would pick Hamilton as a team that, that could potentially get some deals done now that they, they don't have to wait and see what they're going to be paying at the game's most important position. John, thanks so much for the time. Really do appreciate it. You guys have been all over the uh, the Bo Levi situation, the signing in Hamilton and more, and I know it's only going to be uh, busier as we approach CFL free agency. Always appreciate the time to chat, man. Thanks again. Anytime. Take care. John Hodge joining us from 3 Down Nation. Uh, he comes at us from the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Yes, Bo Levi Mitchell making the headlines yesterday, signing a three-year contract with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, CFL free agency just a couple of weeks away. Uh, the Stampeders making some more noise today. A big signing from them returning from the NFL uh, and uh, now back on the Stampeders D-line, uh, former Chicago Bear and now uh, back here in Calgary, James Vauders has signed a contract extension, or not extension, excuse me, uh, a new contract with Calgary. He was with the team, uh, went off to the NFL for a couple of years, and is now back on the D-line with the Calgary Stampeders. That's a major signing for them, but the Stamps still with some big ones to come over the next couple of weeks. Sean Lemon, Jameer Thurman among those uh, that are potential free agents. So it's going to be interesting around the CFL over the next couple of weeks. we got to get out of here. Hockey Central is coming up next with Haley Salvian. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Pat's got Flames talk a little bit later on this afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow on a Flames game day right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.